0: We are uh, in Psalm 113 tonight, and uh, Brother Dale didn't know we were going to do Psalm 113, and I didn't know uh, what all he was going to sing, but uh, what's in this psalm and what we're going to talk about is perfectly summed up by everything that uh, we just sang. It's all about praise, and um, I think about uh, a lot of songs say, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing there's one the Wesleys wrote way back, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. And uh, that theme has been picked up by others. And uh, what would we do? Uh, somebody said one time, We sing over oh, a thousand tongues, and yet we don't use the one that we have. And we are called to uh, give praise to the Lord. We are called to uh, think about who He is. And so uh, we read this tonight. In Psalm 113, and we'll just look at uh, the first six verses tonight. We'll maybe make it through this one a little quicker than we have some of the others. But um, it says, praise the Lord. Now, that word in Hebrew is hallelujah. And the word for praise is written up on the screen. Hebrew goes from left to right, by the way, if you're trying to figure it out. And uh, it's hallel. Hallel is the word for praise. So hallelujah Has Hallel in it. And the Yah is for Yahweh. Praise the Lord. And that's the word that we find here. One word for our first three words in this psalm. So uh, if we were to read it a little more literally. We would say uh, verse 1 would be Hallelujah. Hallelujah O servants of the Lord. Uh, Hallel the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore we're kind of getting a theme here kind of getting an idea of what the psalmist is telling us we're supposed to do verse three continues and says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same the lord's name is to be praised the lord is high above all nations all ethnicities all people groups all of that all kingdoms and his glory above all The heavens, who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high. And this is an interesting thing in verse 6 who humbles himself, and that literally means he stoops to behold the things that are uh, in the heavens and in the earth. And so uh, the psalmist here is writing a psalm that is just basically. It's a psalm of praise, and it also is to encourage us to praise. In fact, this is one of the psalms. They do call them the Hallel Psalms. This is one that they would sing just before and in preparation for Passover. So on the night our Lord was betrayed, this is one of the psalms that he would have uh, sung that particular night. And that's an amazing thing to think that he would be knowing what he was facing, and yet his heart was full of thanksgiving and praise to his Father. Now, uh, the first thing that struck me about this is the idea that praise is supposed to be going on from us, from us, all day long and uh, in every situation. But we don't do that. And so that, uh, the thought struck me, and this is point number one, praise is not given as a reward to God. Now, I know we don't ever think that we would do that, and yet we do. There are those times when we don't give praise a second thought, and then something happens. You know, if somebody calls and says, your great-great-uncle in England left you $35 million in a castle. You know what the first thing we would say is, most likely? Well, hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Well, thank you, Lord. And it's like whenever God does something that we like then we throw him a bone. We give him a treat. We give him a Scooby snack, if you remember watching that cartoon. And uh, it's like we say, okay, you've been a good God. You've been a good uh, father. So here you go. Here's a little snack of praise or a little reward that we give him. Well, the psalmist here would absolutely rebuke us for that because he says we are to praise the Lord at all times. And he doesn't leave out any times. You don't praise Him when things are good and not praise Him when things are bad. We are to praise Him, of course, at all times. So praise is not something that we give to the Lord as a reward. So I would ask you to maybe think a little bit about that. Do you praise the Lord throughout the day? Do you praise the Lord even when things don't go the way you want them to do? Do you praise Him when He doesn't answer your prayers the way you want them to? To be answered? Do you praise Him when circumstances uh, go uh, sour, I guess we would say? Uh, Some people only praise God whenever they think that He deserves it. Now, again, I know that you would never say that, and they would never say that because that sounds blasphemous, and it is. But that's the way we act, that's the way our heart is. And think about this. God is not good because of what he does. He's good simply because he is God. You hear people say God is good all the time. And then the answer to that is, and all the time, God is good. Well, that's true. That's true. But it needs to be more than just a cliche. This is something that we think about the goodness of God, even in his discipline. He disciplines us out of his love for us. And he's merciful even in his discipline. In the book of Habakkuk, I like a a prayer in there that Habakkuk said, In wrath, remember mercy. I pray that quite often for our country. I know God must be very angry with our country and the way that our people are living and the things that we tolerate, the things that we promote. And like Romans 1 says, they not only do these things, but they heartily applaud those who also do them. Well, that's where we are now. We not only sin and we not only talk about sin and promote sin, but now we are applauding sin. That is the way it's supposed to be. You know, the wrath of God must be really stirred up against our nation, and yet we pray like Habakkuk did in wrath, remember mercy, because God is always good and always merciful to us. And he is always worthy of praise. There will never be a time when God is not worthy of the best praise you can give him. There will never be a time when you say, Okay, uh, Lord, that uh, you're, you've been pretty good, so I'll give you uh, you know, half a praise, half a hallelujah. I'll give you just a little bit now, and uh, then maybe tomorrow you'll get more if you do. No, we don't treat God like that because he is always worthy of our praise. And that's why in heaven... Those of us who have gone on before uh, to uh, be in heaven right now, they are praising the Lord all the time and everything they do brings glory to God. Now, I don't think in heaven we're all just going to eternally stand around the throne having a worship service or something like that because there are other things that the Bible indicates are going to happen in heaven. And by the way, it's not just that we go to heaven. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be plenty to do But everything we do is going to bring glory to God. Everything we do is going to incite praise to God. It's going to move us. We're going to be in awe of what He has done. And you're not going to have to work it up or think it up or have anybody kind of motivate you to praise. You know, whenever I uh, think about uh, growing up, it was the uh, minister of music's job. He was the warm-up for the pastor. And he had to get everybody going and hyped up and everything for the preaching and and, and that kind of stuff. You know, when you think about that, that's kind of sick. That's just wrong. Nobody should ever have to use gimmicks to try to get us to smile. Nobody should ever try to work up happiness or good feelings on anything. And nobody should ever have to tell you to sing or to sing better. Because we always ought to give our best unto the Lord because that's what praise is so shame on us when we're half-hearted in our praise because I can guarantee you there are certain circumstances where your praise would be exuberant but sometimes maybe even on a hot Wednesday night yeah you just don't really have it in you well why not the Lord is worthy of our praise number two praise is the honor of the Lord's people The very fact that the Lord would accept our praise, command us to praise, and accept it when we do that is amazing because we are sinners who deserve hell. We deserve to be distant from God. We deserve to be cast out, but He doesn't. In fact, He says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. There are no circumstances present in the universe where He would ever let you slip away. He is the shepherd who seeks the sheep, the lost sheep, And He is the one who redeems us and holds us. We're held in the hand of Jesus, remember? And then Jesus said, And I am in my Father's hand, and none is greater than my Father, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I mean, He holds us, and He is sanctifying us, and He's meeting our needs, and He has blessed us so greatly. And so when we turn to uh, return to Him the praise that He deserves... It's almost as though he has honored us. He's allowed us to be in his heavenly choir. He's allowed us to be in his army. He's allowed us to be, as the verse we're looking at here says, a servant of God. Have you ever thought about how privileged you are to be a servant of God? Typically, we don't think of being a servant as being an honor. I'd rather be the master of the house. I'd rather be the Lord or the lady. I'd rather be, if you've watched Downton Abbey, I'd rather be the upstairs crew than the downstairs crew and those kind of things. But when it comes to God, the fact that He would allow you to serve Him. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He's able to do anything and everything that He has willed to do, ordained to do, chosen to do. Uh, And he's not waiting on us because I just can't do it without you. That's not the God that is presented in the Bible. This is a God who brings us into his family and gives us the honor of serving him. Can you imagine if you were in uh, England and uh, let's say that you were chosen to do something special for the king or maybe... Uh, if you don't like the king back before Queen Elizabeth died for her and you were part of the queen's own, I don't know, a musical group, the queen's own band or the queen's air force or, uh, you know, something like that and you were serving her, you would never feel bad about that. In fact, you would brag about it if you were to go to a pub, if you were to go to a dinner with family members or something and somebody asked you, what do you do? I am a part of the queen's whatever. Think about how you would do that. You would strut a little bit when you wore that uniform. You would be so thankful and so honored that you could be a part of the queen's uh, servants. Well, think about this. You are a servant of the Most High God. You are a servant of the king over all kings and the Lord that outranks all other lords. And he has chosen to allow you to be a part of His army, to be a part of His ministry, to be a part of His plan and program, to be a part of His prophetic work. I mean, you were included in all of that. You're not just incidental. You were made for that, and you were saved for that, and His Holy Spirit indwelt you at the moment of salvation and gave you a spiritual gift so that you could minister and so that you can serve. Man, we should not be uh, dragging... As we do that, we should not be down in the mouth about all of that. I've got some uh, scripture here that I want to read to you. And um, the, the verse we're looking at out of Psalm 113 is the one that says, Praise, O servants of the Lord... Praise the name of the Lord because it's an honor to do that. And you remember what Jesus said, servanthood is the highest calling. It's not the lowest rung on the ladder. It is the highest. It is exalting. And so think about uh, these verses of Scripture now. Psalm 8410. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper. You don't get much more servanty than that. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's David who wrote that. David, the guy that they opened doors for, he said, I'd rather be in the courts of the Lord than anywhere else. I wonder, could we say that? Is there anything that would cause us to sell out? Is there anything that would cause you to quit? Is there anything that would cause you to go running into the world and say, I don't have time for God or church or anything like that? What, what would it take? A million dollars? Somebody offered you $20 million salary. If you wouldn't go to church for a year, would you take it? What would you do with all of that? David said, not me. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I would trade my crown for that particular servanthood. That's amazing, isn't it? In Luke chapter 17, verses um, 7 through 10, Jesus told a story about servants. And then he said uh, in in the King James, So likewise you. And uh, so that means we better pay attention to this. It says, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table. Or will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? And does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? And of course the implied answer is no. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy or unprofitable servants. We have only done what was our duty. And yet the Lord blesses us and rewards us anyway. And all we were doing is what he commanded and what he enabled us to do. But shouldn't we have some enthusiasm about that? And shouldn't we see dignity and honor in that? And shouldn't we do whatever we do for the Lord with all of our might instead of dragging our heels so often? In 2 Samuel 24, 24, we see the heart of David that was after God. He had sinned against the Lord in doing a census. And so the Lord sent a plague on Israel. Well, David, of course, is concerned about that. And so a prophet comes to him and says, If you will purchase a threshing floor, which would be up high, and offer a sacrifice to the Lord, it'll go away. Well, he found one. And uh, he and his entourage go and they find it. And uh, in 2 Samuel 24, David uh, says to this man, I'll give you X number of uh, dollars for it. And I kind of get the idea the man wanted to negotiate a little bit until he asks the question, what, Why are you buying this, O king? And the king says, because I want to sacrifice to the Lord. And then this man says, oh, well, if that's the case, then you can have the property, offer your sacrifice, take these oxen that I've been plowing with and take the yoke for the wood and, and sacrifice all of them. And David, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, 24, makes that famous statement. He goes, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God That cost me nothing. Isn't that amazing? used to sing a song. I will not offer anything that cost me nothing. And uh, so often we're looking for a way to be cheap. We're looking for a way to uh, get... We want to make sure we don't give a penny over our 10%. And uh, those kind of things. We're always looking for a way to do it cheap and to do it conveniently. And uh, here is the king who had it offered to him, laid in his lap. And he says, no, I can't do that. I won't offer anything that costs me nothing. Wow, what a, what a servant of the Lord David was. And so David uh, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. In the New Testament, in Hebrews 13, 15, it says, uh, through him let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do you continually offer up that sacrifice? And it's kind of a picture in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Rather than offering a lamb and offering a lot of lambs and a lot of oxen, uh, what God desires out of New Testament believers because the sacrifice has already been offered, what are we supposed to do? In the same way we offer up through our lips the sacrifice of praise. What if we drew more attention to the Lord? What if we drew more attention to the Lord during our day and in our life? I think that's why Paul said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think that's one of the ways that we offer the sacrifice of praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Do you uh, have you ever thought about if you would just do that? How many opportunities would you have to witness throughout the day? I mean, how, people, you know, get over there and they start at the gas station. They start putting uh, gas in the car, and you, you you'll almost always, if you strike up a conversation, hear somebody complain about the price of gas, and yet they can afford it. Most people can, and I know that it's. High now, but it has come down some over the last year. And uh, so often we we look at it. I remember one time. I think it was back uh, during the Obama years. Gas went up so high, and uh, I was putting it. In, we had a suburban then too that had like a seventy gallon tank. It, it was like take out a loan and see if you can fill up your tank. It was terrible. And uh, then it struck me one day as I was putting it in there for a typical tank of gas of twenty dollars. It might have cost me 16 extra dollars. Now, that's nothing to sneeze at. But at the same time, I got to thinking about it. That's uh, like two trips to McDonald's for our family. What if I just didn't... I mean, is that all it's going to cost me to fuel up my cars? We just don't go to McDonald's a couple of times? And, uh, you know, when we think about those kind of things... I remember uh, my father-in-law one time talking about going to a restaurant and when he was up there to pay you know how they have all those candies and things up there and he said something about the fact that man i can't believe these things cost 15 cents i used to get like five for a penny or something like that or a nickel or whatever it was and the man behind him said yeah but i bet you you can afford the 15 cents now better than you could the nickel back then And uh, you know what he did? He said he picked up a whole handful of it and just bought a whole bunch of them just because he could. And uh, that's what we do. We complain about things so much, and yet we keep on living, and we keep on doing it. And God has been so good to enable us that we just have to make minor adjustments, most of us. I know it's not true for everybody, and I don't want to be insensitive. But for most of us, we make minor adjustments, and we keep on living like we have been. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden here at Graceway, everybody is, you know, skinny like the Jews at concentration camps all of a sudden, is it? Because we keep on eating and we keep on living and we keep on traveling and we keep on going on vacations and we keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on and and we ought to be offering thanks to the Lord for all of that. But we join in with the world's funeral dirge of complaints when we ought to be the bright spot in the middle of that that we say, you know, God's really been good. And so maybe next time when you're pumping gas and somebody says, boy, I can't believe the price of things, say just, yeah, but thank the Lord He's enabled me to be able to fill up my tank. Maybe you would get an opportunity where somebody goes, well, I can't believe why you'd be so happy about that. Well, maybe you'll have a chance to tell them about Jesus. Maybe some of your family members, maybe if you would actually... Let them hear you in prayer before you eat your food. Maybe say something like this. This meal was expensive, Lord, but I thank you that we had the money to get it and to bring it here for our family. Thank you. You have blessed us so much. You might get an opportunity to share something. I mean, rejoice in the Lord always, not just when you feel like it. In everything, give thanks. And the writer of Hebrews says continually offer the sacrifice of praise. I don't know. I just wonder if we were more obedient to that instead of going by our feelings or copying the world and following after them. Maybe, maybe more doors would open up for us. And so think, in this day, we, we've gathered here tonight, and I'm glad that you're here, and we just sang praises to the name of the Lord. Is that common and is that normal? In our culture and in our society? No. In fact, the vast majority of people used your Lord's name as a cuss word today. And tonight we have the opportunity to lift up His name. Well, we ought to be doing that everywhere we go and in every situation. And so uh, this is our privilege to serve and honor God. Let the world do that. They're on their way to hell. They're dead. But let us be the people that praise the name of the Lord in every situation. And can you imagine if something really did kind of go south in your life, and yet during all of that you are giving praise and glory to the Lord? You think that might attract some attention? You think that might give you an opportunity to explain something about the gospel? Guarantee you it would. So it's an honor, an honor to praise God. It's not a duty. It's not an obligation. It is an honor to give praise to the Lord. Number three. The psalmist describes here what the Lord deserves. Look at verse two. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Man, you are going to do some praising in heaven. And you're going to love it. And you're going to be enthused by it. And you are going to just revel in all of that because you're going to be with all the saints of all of the ages giving praise to the Lord our God. It's going to be an absolutely wonderful thing. And then it says, but while we're here on earth, verse 3, from the rising of the sun to the going down, to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Okay, let's think about that. Uh, We're going to praise Him forever in heaven. We sang about that early. 10,000 years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We we sang that. And uh, this is what the psalmist is saying. Now, also think about this. From the rising of the sun. Where does the sun rise? In the east. To the going down of the same. That's in the west. And basically what the psalmist is saying all day long. All day long. But you know... uh, We know maybe a little bit more than the psalmist does because we know that it's not really the sun that rises and goes down. It's the earth that turns, right? So when it is dark on our part of the earth, what is it on the other part of the earth? It's light. And when it's light over there, It's dark over here. I think that when it says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord should be praised, not only are we to praise Him all day, but He is to be praised in every part of the earth, every nation, because the sun rises and it goes down everywhere. It does that in China just like it does it here, just at different times. It does it in India just like it does here, just at different times. And so the psalmist is saying there's no excuse to not praise the Lord, and there's never a time not to praise Him. So next time you go to bed, and uh, your mattress is too hot, your pillows are a little uncomfortable, and uh, maybe the kids are not acting right, and the ceiling fan starts squeaking. Is there anything more annoying than a squeaky ceiling fan? And maybe instead of griping about everything, maybe if you did what the old song says, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you get discouraged, thinking all is lost, do what? That's it, Brother Jerry. Count your many blessings. And what if we started praising the Lord during that time? Well, for one thing, if you started doing that and you started saying, Lord, I can't sleep, so I'm just going to think of everything I can, every way you bless me, and I'm just going to start praising you. I guarantee you, number one, your flesh would go, go to sleep. Yeah, And the enemy would go, shh, leave him alone, let him go to sleep. We don't want to hear this praise business going on. And uh, you put yourself to sleep giving praise and glory and honor to the Lord. You might just wake up with a song in your heart instead of a scowl on your face. From the rising of the sun to the going down, to its going down, the name of the Lord should be praised. He deserves unending praise. And he deserves praise from every nation at all times and in all places and think about this not just on religious days you know it's easy to praise God on Sunday why don't we praise him on Monday it's easy to get together with the people of God and to talk about the goodness of God on special occasions, why don't we do that every day? That should be the norm in our life, not the exception. So not just on religious days like Sunday or the Sabbath or Passover or something like that. And also, not only on uh, in religious places. You know, what we do in here, I mean, I know it, it would be sort of weird if you did everything like in here. I heard a preacher say one time, that uh, he wasn't gonna wear anything he couldn't preach in, and I thought, like, does he wear pajamas? <laughs> you know that. that you know we, you, I know that we can't do everything like that, and I'm not expecting you to have a church service in your front yard or anything like that. But can you give God praise when you're talking to your neighbors? Can you give God praise? Uh, When you sit down for a meal, can you give God praise when you have company over? Can you give God praise when you have somebody over to work on something uh, uh, electrical or something in your yard or something like that? Can you figure out a way to do that because the Lord is worthy of it and you never know what kind of an impact you might have on somebody else. They may be a Christian who's just down in the dumps, things have been really terrible, and you give a word of praise and all of a sudden it, it lifts them up and they and they think a little bit about it. You could be used to uh, help somebody else. And so all of this is extremely important and yet it is so hard to do. I mean, I'm not uh, going to stand up here and preach and say, you ought to be like me in doing all of this because I'm probably the... World's worst example. I can be right with God leaving church and get out here and try to turn left on 104th Street and lose my religion. Can you? It's just easy to do that kind of stuff. And uh, sometimes you can have a great quiet time with the Lord and then then there's a phone call. Everything goes sour and everything gets, you know, what are you going to do with all of that? Well, what if we put some effort into actually praising the Lord at all times? Now, I'm not saying get weird and kooky and act like you're mentally ill or anything like that, but you can figure it out that there's a way to do it and there's an honorable way to do it before the Lord and before uh, people that you are around, okay? So, let's finish up. Lastly, number four. Why the Lord deserves this unending praise. Now, we just looked at that last point and we saw... That he deserves it. So the question comes up, well, why why does he deserve unending praise? I mean, I don't, and you don't. We don't deserve most of the praises that we get, much less unending praise. Uh, But the Lord does. Why? Well, look down at verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations. Okay, that's a pretty good reason. His glory above the heavens. That's a good reason, too. Verse 5, who is like the Lord our God? Boy, if you've done some of the traveling I have, uh, you land in India and uh, land at uh, Mumbai and you go into the airport there and there's this weird, grotesque statue of a goddess right there when you come in. You, You get a cab and there's probably a god or a goddess on the dashboard. Uh, We would always get there during the Festival of Ganesh. And it's a big, ugly elephant. And you'd see those things everywhere. They would make them and have them sitting in front of their shops and in the back of their trucks and all of that. And then they would go and throw it in the river. I don't know what the purpose of all of that was. But my goodness, when you start thinking, who is like our God? Think about all of the things that people worship. Think about the things your ancestors worshiped. Think about uh, the things that they still worship in pagan areas and and things like that today. It ought to break our heart because God is not getting the glory He deserves from His creatures. Who's like our God? And as I thought about that, I thought, well, it's a good thing I was not called upon uh, the committee to make the God that we're going to worship here at Graceway or in America. Because I don't know what I would come up with, but it wouldn't be anything like the God of the Bible Nothing like that. It wouldn't be any better than somebody who is bowing before an idol tonight. It it would be something weird like that. But yet God has revealed himself to us. Nobody made him, and yet he has revealed himself to us. Who is like our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. This transcendent God who is so separate from us, so holy and so perfect. And yet what does He do? He humbles Himself to look into our life. Well, sometimes we think we're worthy of that, but we're not. Sometimes we think, well, why wouldn't He? I mean, I like me and everybody else likes me. Surely God would like me. No, you're missing the point of your depravity and of your sinfulness. It's an amazing thing that this God described here in these six verses would even give a rip about any one of us, and yet He does. And He showed that by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, this sinful, rebellious, treasonous earth. And He lived among us, and oh... Read through the Gospels and think about all the things that Jesus put up with. Things that he could have just said zap and they would have been gone. Just vaporized. But he didn't. What restraint he showed. What condescension he had when he came to earth. And all for the point of going to the cross of Calvary and dying and saying, Father, forgive them and punish me. What a a great God. What what incredible humility that He shows for us. And yet, uh, we don't like humility any more than we like servanthood. And so, uh, why should we do this? Well, we read those verses and we realize that He's supreme. He's glorious. There's none like Him. And He dwells where humans cannot see. Humans cannot find heaven. Humans cannot go to heaven on their own. And yet, at the same time, this God cares for sinful, rebellious humans. He's watching all that goes on. He knows everything that's going on. And uh, He is uh, showing His love for us. God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, clean up your act down there, world. And then maybe I'll think about coming and doing something for you. No, he came while we were in the midst of our sin. Light came into darkness. And the darkness couldn't even comprehend it, much less overcome it, as it says in John chapter 1. This is the God we sang about. This is the God we read about. This is a God who indwells us. This is the God who has saved you. This is the God who has prepared a place in heaven for you according to the 14th chapter of John. Wow! That is incredible. If somebody famous or somebody very rich invited you to their house, and they prepared a place for you. You'd be talking about it all the time. We couldn't shut you up. And yet you've got something so much better than that to look forward to. This is the God that we proclaim. This is the God that we serve. This is the God we pray to. This is the God we sing about. This is the God that we worship. And we ought to be doing a whole lot more of it according to this particular Psalm. So I conclude when we read that last uh, verse or so in there, uh, one writer said, unlike the man-made gods of the ancient Middle East which are limited to a certain tribe or territory maybe even a nation these dumb idols were regional local gods but the one true living God is exalted over all the nations. And there is no place over which His dominion is not extended. That's why uh, sometimes, I know what people mean, and i probably said it myself. Well, we kicked God out of school. You don't kick God out of anything anywhere. You don't have that power. He's still there. Well, what about in a pagan temple? Or what about in that Uh, mosque that sets over in Jerusalem where the temple is now. Well, we have an omnipresent God. You think He's not there? You think He's not working His will? You think He's not winding everything down to exactly where it's supposed to be? This is an omnipresent, all-powerful God. All-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, right? Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. This is the God that we serve. You don't give him permission to come in to some place. You know, sometimes I hear people pray, Oh God, we welcome you. Come into this place. Uh, Guess what? He's already here before you got here. There's no place where he's not. You say, well, what about hell? He's not in hell. I know people say that, but what do you think fuels the fires of hell? That's the presence of God's wrath poured out upon those who deserve it what do you think heaven is going to be so wonderful for because his presence is there as the old song says jesus will be what makes it heaven for me right and so we think about all of this and uh, then how do you keep your mouth closed how do you how do you ever be down in the mouth how do you ever just start complaining with the world you know, we act like Eve. We've got so much, but we complain about the one thing that we cannot have. As so though God has shortchanged us. We need to change our thinking and renew our mind, and we need to do what Paul said in Philippians. I never can remember all of these, but whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just. And remember that whole string of things? Think on these things. Man, we need to start doing that, don't we? We need to start doing that. How do you start? Start by giving him praise in every situation because he deserves it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now let's do it. Father, we want to come to you tonight and we want to give you praise. Our lives are so easy compared to our ancestors. Even Solomon couldn't have an ice cream cone anytime he wanted it, he couldn't have cold drinks, he didn't have air conditioning, and he was. Probably one of the richest men on earth at that particular time. And here we think about us and we complain that we don't have enough money and we don't have enough stuff, yet yeah, we have air-conditioned homes, and yet we have ice in our refrigerators, and we can have ice cream any that we want it, cold drinks anytime we want it. We've got clean water. We don't have to go to a pond. We don't have to go to a lake. We don't have to go to a creek. It's all right there. We've got indoor plumbing we think about the clothes that we have. We can have seasonal clothing. When people back in Bible times could only imagine about something like that. It's kind of a one size fits all and one garment for all seasons. And uh, we have it so easy and yet we complain so often. Will you please forgive us of that? And so we want to give you praise. I didn't invent air conditioning but you gave uh, Mr. Carrier the ability To comprehend this so it could be put together. I didn't invent the automobile. But you gave people the ability to invent the internal combustion engine. And uh, to get everything from just a horseless carriage. To the chariots that we drive today. Thank you for that. We praise you for that. I didn't figure out how to clean up water. So that a whole municipality could have all the water that they need. And it would be clean. And it would be healthy. But I thank you that you did, and we praise you for that. And so, Lord, we could go on and on and on and on. We think about that some of us get up every morning, and we take a handful of pills, and those pills literally keep some of us alive. Well, we didn't invent those, and we wouldn't know what to do with it. Thank you. We praise you because you deserve that glory. I think about my own life and my own situation. I never could have fixed my heart problems. And I suppose now I'd either be weak as a kitten or probably dead. But you're the one that gave surgeons wisdom. And you gave uh, people the ability to take tissue from a cow and make a valve that would work in my heart. So that now I can continue on living. I thank you for that. We thank you for hearing aids. We thank you for glasses. We thank you for artificial hips and knees and things like that. All of those things that we just take for granted and sometimes we gripe about. We thank you for our family. We thank you for our spouse. We thank you for our children. We thank you for our grandchildren. We thank you for our jobs. We thank you for our incomes. We thank you for our church. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ and the fellowship That we enjoy because we have common ground in Christ. And we could go on and on and on. So we just want to just join together in one accord. And uh, give you the hallelujah that you deserve. And thank you. And We do this in Jesus name. And all God's people said hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Let's give him praise and let's give him glory. Okay.